so it's been a little while since the last race in Paris, California, and I'm uh, having a little bit of uh, motorcycle racing withdrawal, so I decided to head on down to Savannah, Georgia, just to watch as a fan. It's the last race there, supposedly, as the track is a half mile, so I wanted to go down there and check it out, go down there not working, and uh, enjoy some motorcycle racing. And along the way, I went on down to Florida and, and uh, hooked up with a friend of mine and, and uh, made some phone calls to my uh, flat track family. Hello? Hello. Hello? 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 I'm very passionate about this sport, and so are these riders, and so are the teams, and so are the mechanics, and everybody has a story. And and during this offseason, I'm going to spend some time, and I'm going to reach out to them just to see what's been going on since the offseason, maybe what they have planned for 2018, uh, maybe recap the, the 2017 season a little bit. I hope you have as much fun listening as I did making it. Sit back and enjoy. One of the things I want to do with this project is to get to know people behind the scenes. Uh, We talk to the riders a lot, but we hardly ever talk to mechanics. Uh, Most of you folks might not even realize who this is that I'm going to talk to next. He uh, used to be National Number 26. He left the sport for a little while, uh, did some other things, and now you might know him as the bullet Brad Baker's mechanic. Here is Brandon Bergen. Former National Number 26 from back in 2008 until 2016, it is Brandon Bergen, a.k.a. the Fresno Flyer, a.k.a. Too Tall. Brandon, man, how you doing? Good, man. How's everything going? It is great. Uh, we, we don't get a, a chance to catch up with many mechanics, so I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule there on the, the Factory Indian Motorcycle Team and and uh, taking time to catch up with us. And We want to get some information to the fans. We'll... Uh, you know, get your point of view from a mechanic. We've talked to some of our riders, and now we want to talk to some people behind the scenes, and we'll get some stuff that a lot of the a lot of the fans are that don't ever get to hear or see or, or even get the feel for. So, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more on, on Brandon Bergen. I, I I grew up. You know, we raced together a little bit. Uh, you kind of were getting going really fast after I was already out of the out of the game. But uh, I I grew up, and I announced you for for quite a while, and. Uh, I don't know who nicknames you too tall, but I certainly like the Fresno Flyer a lot. So talk a little bit quickly about your race career before we dive into this, the 2017 season and then and then check in what's going on for next year. Yeah, my race career uh, was kind of a, like as a normal amateur kid, you know, racing around some country town in California, Central California. Um, just started out riding the woods and and a little bit of motocross here, there got hurt on a motocross track, started flat tracking and just never, never really turned back. So, I mean, in high school, um, I knew what, what I wanted to do. And, you know, my teachers and stuff call me crazy, but now when I see them at the hometown fair, you know, 15 years later, they're like, man, I can't believe you're still doing chasing your dream, which is cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, started out, I turned pro in 2005 and a single stuff came back with Dave Zanotti, you know, and uh, in 2008, got to be with, I made my first national in 2007 with Dave Zanotti. Um, I was riding my own stuff that my dad had, you know, obviously purchased and whatnot, and myself. But uh, <clears throat> had a few stepping stones, you know, from uh, to get there. And then uh, when I got the ride with Johnny Goad, um, that was huge for me because we were. I was actually trying to get with. I had rode the BMW for pretty much a lot of the twins stuff on the West Coast on 2007. And we just couldn't couldn't put a package together. And Johnny always said, "Hey, I got something here for you, but you go out there and see what you can get." And uh, 
he was, he stayed true to his word. And man, I, I tell you, that was a, a big part of my career was just being with Johnny for that year. Cause he taught me so much on how to be mentally focused. And, you know, he used to tell me, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be scared when you put that helmet on, you know, <laughs> and there's a certain part of that that I see now where he's coming from to get in your head. So if he told you to start backwards, you would just go, okay, I got to start backwards. And that's pretty much how it was. I mean, he was very good at, uh, making sure that you knew you were going to win, you know, and uh, just having that positive feedback behind me at the start of my career as a twins rider, it, uh, it helped me succeed pretty well. You know I mean? I did, I did okay. Dude, those are, those are some heavy hitters in the ball game. You talk about Dave Zanotti, uh, you know, he's won championships. His, his, his dad's won championships as a team owner. And, and then you talk about Johnny Goad, who's, you know, you know, arguably one of the best mechanics ever in, in flat track. So it's pretty cool that you had those two as part of your story. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually led on a little bit further than that, you know, so the next year is when I rode for Raymond Harley Davidson in 2009. And, uh, that was, uh, you, everyone knows Davey Camlin. Um, Don Camlin was my mechanic there and it got me potentially the best, uh, season that I'd ever had like career finishing not maybe not the best finish I've ever had but as a whole um, the guy really helped me out and I it was it took me a while to get used to what was going on because it was he was such a different mechanic as far as Johnny was um but he they they, they both had their their own ways of, of positive of positivity and uh I had a personal trainer that came to every racetrack kind of like Jared does now um Wally and he uh he was he was a badass man I mean he's older and he, you didn't want to mess with him that's for sure that, that's good stuff but it uh I mean I, I've been very blessed with with some good people around me I mean Greg Crow when 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 Don got sick and uh had to stop being a mechanic uh Greg Crow stepped in huge because we didn't I didn't really have the financial funding in 2011 and or 2010 and 11 uh, just because economy had crashed huge, you know, so it, uh, Greg Crow stepped up and, you know, helped me build all the engines and dynoed stuff and did a ton of stuff for free. Um, so, I mean, I, I've been blessed with some great people that helped my career to potentially get me the job where I'm at today. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not just one person or just me or anything like that. It's just a really just being respected and respecting others. And it's kind of it's my, that my parents have taught me as a young guy, you know, so it's been, it's just a big package, if you will. That's awesome. So you stepped away from flat track and, and our, our paths crossed, I think last year or not that long ago. And you were actually a mechanic for Roth motorsports. And that was part of the world of outlaw sprint car team. So, and, and I walked into the pit, you know, I, I, I came to the pit area. I knew, I knew you were around, I knew you were going to be busy, but you treated me just like I was royalty, and I got to learn a lot, and I got to watch you do things on a sprint car that, you know, I've been around racing for a long time, and it was so cool just to watch the other side of of a sprint car team. You know, I got to go some, you know, back behind the scenes, and, and that's pretty cool. So tell me about how the the hookup and how did you get started working for that, you know, that sprint car team, which it's it's a really well-known sprint car team, and, and how did that go, and... and Tell us what you learned about being a World of Outlaw sprint car tuner that you could transfer into flat track. 
Yeah, that was a that was kind of a crazy transition. Uh, in 2010, I'd, I got hurt at Springfield Short Track, came back 2011, Springfield Short Track, one year later, scared out of my mind, you know, because broke my leg. And it was the worst pain that I ever had. I mean, worse than broken backs and collarbones and arms. I mean, it, ankles, whatever. I mean, my leg was huge for me and uh, crashed again and uh, had a slight head injury that I tried to keep as quiet as possible. I had to get relief to get to ride back again. And uh, I just never really was the same. And that's when I decided, you know what, it's time for me to go home and get back to my roots and just get a normal job. And when I went home, uh, I went to the local sprint car race and just kind of seen that they were from Easton, which is maybe 10 miles from my house. And I was like, man, I'm going to go talk to them people. I want to go see, I didn't know, have any idea what Roth Motorsports was, you know? Right, right. So we get down there start talking and blah 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 and i was like i'd really like to see you know the shop if i could walked in he's like yeah anytime just come over gave me the address and uh that kind of led that just kind of started it because then when i started building my kawasaki's to go back racing just west coast swing like the last three years that i of my career um or two years of my career um i started building all my kawasaki's out of their shop because they had a lathe and a mill and everything and and i didn't have to I, it was like my one-stop shop welder if i wanted to do something so as i'm doing those things like their crew chief um had to the west coast crew chief had to go to the outlaw side because the outlaw crew chief got fired and then at that point was hey <laughs> you know how to run all the machines you're gonna be in here like, do you want a job and i'm like man i, I don't know anything about a sprint car you know and that's just kind of how I fell into it and he's like it's fine you you'll you'll be fine you know whatever and they Todd Ventura you know is Dennis's manager for everything and uh that's who got me basically taught and rolling you know and and on a team like that when uh when you're spending you know 1.2 million dollars a year to go racing and you have once you have everything 1.2 million it's uh it's very, very, this is how it is. This is how we do it. And this is how it's going to be done or you're going to be out type deal. So that's where, that's where it took me to the next level as far as like the Indian side to be, just to be a part of a team like that and where everything is so organized and free fit. I mean, it's a, it's amazing the, the effort and work that goes into being a normal like weekend warrior sprint car driver, but let alone a world of outlaw sprint car driver or mechanic or team because it's 98 races a year right so <laughs> it's a it's a lot before we walk away from the world about us how many how many different drivers did you work with i know when i think whenever i, I saw you with with joy saldana who else did you work for um i've always i've never worked for anyone else other than ross but uh other than helping out friends you know local whatever but right as far as professional drivers uh we i worked with uh Kyle Hurst was the West Coast driver, and he's a solid West Coast guy. I've worked a little bit with Tim Cading before he got to go on the outlaw side, like when he worked on the West Coast. Right. And that was when I was still trying to learn things and just kind of hanging out. Um, and I've worked with, uh, solidly, I've worked with Joey Saldana, Kyle Hurst, and David Gravel. So those are, which David Gravel is a, I mean. Yeah, those are huge names in, in the another, sport, you know. Right. That's, that's, so I've been, like I said, it's just uh, I've been blessed. I mean, was it uh, was it because I was some hero? No, 
it was just because I did what I was told. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously they like they like what you're doing, you know, as you built your Kawasaki and they, they saw your work ethic and saw what you're putting into it. So I think it all fit together really good. And then so how did how did it transpire to going away from the sprint car and then going to the factory Indian wrecking crew? Uh that would be pretty much Brian Smith and Jeff Gordon. So I was at the engine shop uh dropping off a motor. And Jeff Gordon was for the sprint car deal. And uh, Jeff was like, man, you got to go next door here. You know, Ricky's building a pretty sweet bike. And that was the 2016 bike that uh, they went to Arizona last year and won with for the first time it ever hit the track by like 20 seconds or something ridiculous. Right. And uh, so I walk, I walk in and Ricky's like, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I just, you know, I'm sitting there and my phone rang or I got a text message or something. I grabbed my phone. He's like, hey, well. Uh, no pictures, man. No pictures. I'm like, no, I'm reading a text message, you know. Right. And uh, we just kind of, you know, I said on it and whatever. It was, you know, everything was super top secret. Hey, don't show anyone. Don't tell anyone. Okay, yep, get it. And uh, Brian showed up down there and was like, what are you doing here? Like, he was pretty surprised that I was in the, sh- in the shop, you know. Right. But afterward, uh, Brian had called me and said, Hey, what do you think about coming back to uh, to motorcycles? And you know, you could be a huge asset for our team. I, I was like, man, that that would be great, you know, whatever. But I was like, man, I, I make pretty good money here at the at the sprint car deal, and I'm on the west coast again. I, I love being at home. I don't know if I could actually leave. And then uh, when it was when all the details came out with you know the Indian and uh, being part of the wrecking crew as a mechanic. Um, it was it was pretty I, I was in you know i was like man that's this is one in a lifetime chance and uh it, something like this could possibly potentially never happen again so i took the opportunity and i'm so glad that i did um i've learned uh i mean gobs and gobs and gobs of amount of information just just on the right way to do things and you know we'll be working on things at the track if you will and and Brad's explaining something to me and then Ricky is explaining it on the mathematical side. And it's like, man, I remember feeling that when I was at, you know, Lima or uh, that's why that, you know, I just stuff pops back into my head. And I, I just, it's, it's very, very, how do I say it? He's very knowledgeable. Ricky is. And, uh, everything is mathematical. Like there's, there's nothing that can't be figured out without math, you know? So he's, uh, very intelligent guy and i've learned a ton from him and it's it's been uh, really good so so you wrapped up the sprint car career um hopefully you didn't slam any doors shut because you might want to go back there one day knowing what you know now but but uh, so you pack up your stuff and move to indianapolis and now, now you're based out of there so that's where the home base is for your indian wrecking crew team right correct yep we're actually i'm actually renting a home from Ross because they didn't go out long this year. So I stayed in the same house that I was living in with them. That is cool. And, uh, but, but no, did not burn any bridges. Awesome. And I'm currently in the, in the processes of, I close in 20 days. So I'm buying a house here in Brownsburg. And so I'll be based out of, uh, Indiana for at least the next couple of years until the next journey comes along. Hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll be here. Man, My that, mortgage is 30 years, so <laughs> I better be. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Man, this, I, I love it. It's good catching up with you for sure. So, uh, 
So you got hired on at the end of last year. So about a year, is that right? Or how long you been with them? Um, yeah, I got hired on it. Well, I mean, technically getting paid, um, it's only been this year, obviously, but I knew and, you know, papers were signed and all the handshakes were made in, uh, in August. And that's when I came, uh, after that, there was a, there was a short period of time where I left the outlaw deal just for some family stuff for about a month and a half in the midsummer. Um, just had, you know, people passing away and sick and da da da. And I, I came home and just had to take care of, had to be there, you know, do the right thing on that side, on the family side. So in that time I knew that I was going and, uh, that's when I actually snuck out to Sturgis, Peoria and rolling wheels with Brad. Okay. And I just kind of wanted to see, see what I was getting myself into with Brad and see, learn things and just kind of learn and take as much mental data as I could to know what I was going to be doing and what I was basically to make sure we were going to get along, you know? Right. Because um, I didn't want to take a job and just hate somebody, which there's there's always the friend factor, but then when you're the mechanic, it stuff changes. Absolutely. You know I mean? yep. it, could, it could change, but we've been great. We get along good, and he trusts me like 100%. And if, if, if we start arguing like about, hey, I think we need to do this, and he's like, no, no, and I'm like, no, we need to do this. I mean, he most of the time – listens to me and then most of the time it comes back he's like man man yeah you're right you know that was that was good that's that's what i learned about in this from the sprint car deal is really watching what the motorcycle does because in a sprint car you know they're going so fast that but you really have to watch because the rider can't or the driver can't move around in the car you know you're you're locked in right so that just learning how to watch the car go around and then when I get back into the motorcycle deal on half miles, on miles it's very hard because you got to rely on strictly information because you can't see. Um, but on half miles and short tracks, just watching the motorcycle and watching what the thing's doing, uh, where, where his body positioning is and whatnot, that's, that's the key things um, for myself. Uh, just to just to pick out okay hey there he is pushing there i could see it in his body movement you know whatever happens and just knowing what what to say like hey yeah, i i seen that when you did that i seen it so it's that's the biggest thing for me is having someone there so when he comes off the track i know exactly what he's talking about it just makes the whole thing better you know and more yeah it's almost uh, confident for him yeah it's almost like at that point you guys don't even have to speak to each other you can just kind of look at each other and know what you need to change and what needs to go to happen to make you go faster right correct for the most part i mean there is times that you know i mean obviously i don't see everything and right I don't see or know everything so there is sometimes that we get stumbled upon something that's like man uh, well let's try this you know and, and talk about it um but for the most part, we've been very, very obviously successful this year with a few bad, bad lucks that hit in the season. But um, I'm, I'm excited for next year because as long as Brad stays healthy and, and everything stays together, people are going to have their hands full. 
I like it. I like the attitude. Uh, so on the line with us right now is the former factory or former national number 26, I should say, the, the Fresno Flyer. He's part of the factory Indian wrecking crew now. It's Brandon Bergen. Brandon, we started talking about, uh, you know, getting hooked up with Brad and and uh, and how all that went. So let's just dive into it. Let's talk a little bit about the 2017 season. I've got it all laid out here in front of me, but uh, a rough start to the year down in Daytona. Um you know, Brad went down in, in a qualifying race and was not able to race the main event. How hard is it, knowing you worked all winter, to go down to the very first race of the season uh, to kick off the debut of the factory Indian and your rider gets hurt and is not able to make the main event? How hard is that to, to start off the season? Um, as far as, like, for myself, I was more worried. You know, I mean, this is a really good friend of mine, and I've known him for years, and, he, you know, I was – in 450 class when he was in the 80s so i mean i've seen him come and then when we got to 450s you know i'm like i don't like this kid because <laughs> he was fast and he was a threat you know? uh but i didn't there was no point in time ever that it was man i just worked all year for or all winter long and this is what happens because right. i just don't i'm not wired that way i mean i was i was pretty worried um, and i i mean i do remember him going down and I, you know, oh crap, he went down. And then I, when he didn't get up, I was like, oh man, oh man. And I remember thinking at one point, is this how our se- is this how our season's gonna go? Like, right. Um, but there was, I just wanted to make sure he was okay. And I mean, the bike. I mean, honestly, if if, uh, if he hadn't got hit, it would have been fine. Like he just took the front easy peasy. But then when Jeffrey had nowhere to go and just boom, you know, hit him. Right. And uh, it. It, I mean, it messed Brad up. Obviously, he had to go to the hospital, and he had a concussion. And comes back, he's like, "Man, did I did I crash the Indian?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> 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 what what else, else did you, you crash, crash, Brad? <laughs> did you crash his truck? I mean, come on. Yeah, so that <laughs> yeah. that was a rough start for the season for sure. But you turn it around right away. The next very next weekend, we go to the Atlanta short track for the very first time, and he ends up on the podium with a second place finish. So uh, a low to start off the season and then a, a really a high the next week. Correct. And, uh, and, th- and that's when I knew I didn't know, but, um, you know, obviously I knew he had it in him and I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're good. Like we're, his confidence is there. He's not scared. Um, everything will be fine. And uh, at this point, you know, I'm, Jared had won. Brian was second. And it's like, man, this is gonna, this is how it's probably gonna be all year long if we just come out of the box and, boom, we're you know on the podium first race with the with the other team. So, I knew at that point, like I was trying to coach Brad and say, and at that point, and dude, we gotta finish good, we gotta finish good because we gotta make up those points. But at least I know he wasn't scared. You know, that at that point in the season, it was like, okay, we're gonna be fine. You know. Yeah, that's a that's a huge confidence boost. I'm sure sure after not making the you know not making the main event because of the you know the concussion, and then the very next weekend a second place finish. Uh, then we go up to Charlotte, uh, a track that Brad I think you know that suits his style very well. But a 16th place finish. Can you elaborate on what happened in Charlotte? So we got a low, then we got a high, then we got a low. So what happened in Charlotte on the half mile there? Yep, in Charlotte, um, obviously we ran good all day. I think we were second or third fastest and we were we were going good and uh in the semi somehow or something like i don't know if it was debris or possibly a rock but him and brian were battling back and forth in that semi 
every lap was, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, the rectifier wire got sliced in the semi. So, like, maybe four or five to go. So we got back, and we were the second semi. And, it, it were, you know, the, the way the program is now, like, if you're in the second semi, you got to haul ass to make, to not be late. So we didn't, uh, we didn't hook hook any battery chargers up or or hook any computers up to look at everything we just kind of changed tires rotated the tire and uh filled up safety wire the sprocket nuts do you know just do our normal things that we do before a main event and changes excuse me and uh didn't realize that the thing hadn't been charging for half that race before so when we went out in the main event now it had ran the last half of the race in the semi on total loss, if you will, because it wasn't charging. And then sat there and for a while. Also, in the main event, and right. that's why it went as long as it did, and then it quit. Okay. And uh, it wasn't any failure, anything. It was just simply that the wire got cut, you know, wow. and, it, and it wasn't charging. So, just, obviously, the battery can only run so long, and then it died just bad luck and so for the people that don't understand what brand is talking about in in the format when the semifinal gets over they have to take the bikes through tech inspection after that they take them back to the pit area uh sometimes they change the tire obviously put fuel in it do it a once over and so it never even crossed your mind to put the charger on the battery because that was never a factor before if the if the charging system was still charging the the battery it would have been just fine for the main event is that what you're saying correct yep and at that time, we know we didn't even actually put bikes on the charger in between races because it's only our third race. It has a charging system. Right. Um, but we didn't think we didn't think to plug it into the computer and look at all the data and say, okay, hey, if we had done that, we would have seen, oh man, our battery's at 10 volts versus 14, and we could have changed the battery and or you know changed that rectifier and fixed the problem. But it just got missed, and uh, and after that. You know, now we're two races DNF already. Right. And only third in the season. And at that point, it was, okay, we cannot have any more failures if we have a chance of winning the championship. Because I knew by this point that, you know, Indians, with the riders that were on the bikes and the motorcycles being as well as they are, that this is going to be a tight, tight season. And uh, it's going to be very, very hard to make up points, you know. Yep. So it's time to play catch up, but you know, that's just, I, I think you chalk that one up to a new motorcycle and that's just part of the things you learn, especially, you know, we're only in our, our second or our third race into the season. So, you know, honestly, you guys didn't have hardly any failures, especially on a brand new motorcycle. So it's very impressive what team Indian has done. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, that's just in- incredible. So then we get into, you know, a, a real good span of the season, Arizona, a second place finish, Sacramento third, Springfield mile fourth, you know, the, the Lexington red mile third, Oklahoma city, a second. I think he kind of lost, you know, gave that one away a little bit. Uh, does anything stick out in your mind at Oklahoma city that you want to talk about? Cause you know, as a, where I was at, I'm, <laughs> I'm so far up, up high, Brandon, I can't see everything, but it looked like you know, it looked like he kind of maybe Brad. We're talking about Brad because that's your rider. He got distracted maybe a little bit with a lap rider or something. I I'm trying to remember back. I can't remember the season as well as you guys do because I'm calling every lap of every race where you guys are just focusing on one race. But it seemed like something happened and Brad got distracted and went you know 
blew the groove and then all of a sudden Meese closed the gap. Can you can you run us through Oklahoma City a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I I remember being very angry. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> um, we led we led every lap other than the last four. Yeah. Or maybe the last two or so something. That, that's that hard to swallow, three. right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I I personally have never ever gotten a victory ride on a on a motorcycle. So for me, I was I was just like. Yes, finally going to get a victory right. This is going to be great because he had a huge lead. Right. And, uh, I mean, the bottom line, Brad probably going to hate me for saying this, but was fitness at that point. Um, he was in shape, very in shape, but not as good of shape as Jared is. Wow. And, uh, and it, it was very – He didn't admit it, you know. Yeah, it was very hot in Oklahoma City too. You know, I mean, it was it was pushing 100 degrees, and we were just now. You know, it was at the end of the day, and so I'm sure the that had a little bit of something to do with it. But I, yeah, I I understand that. But like I said, I think he made one mistake, and and Meese closed the door, and then Meese Meese is like a pit bull or, or something. He just goes after something. He doesn't let go until he he gets a hold of it. And I think when he saw Brad make that mistake, I think Jared just sunk his teeth in a little bit deeper and went after it. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it was late in the race, obviously, and Brad made. Uh, you could, I kind of could see Brad fatiguing a little bit, make it, and you know, the track, the track was getting bigger. You know, he was just making bigger circles, bigger circles, and when, as a rider, I know that when you start doing that, you're getting tired. You know, you're getting fatigued, whether it be, and the first thing that goes when you do that is your mind. So when he got into lappers. Um, he just made a wrong call and, and he, like he tried to hold it wide open and still do his normal style of, you know, high, wide and handsome. And he got into a part of a racetrack that he hasn't hadn't ran all day long. Cause he, I mean, he was going so much faster than whoever he had lapped by the time he seen him. And by the time he got to him, um, the guy had, has was off the gas and bikes moving around and it. And the guy moved up. Well, then Brad moved up. And he got into the part of the racetrack that no one had been in all day, and it was super deep up there. Right. And he almost lost it in turn three or in three. Yep. And he lost probably two seconds right there. I mean, boom. And then, and then when he started going through there, he was just not. He'd never got a good pass. I mean, he never. I can't blame it all on Brad, but you can't. He didn't. He never got a clear line, but he never. I don't know if the decision making was correct you know versus just slowing down a little bit and going under them you know you're already way faster than them guys and uh it, he just got caught up and jared had the mind to still to still make smart moves and go under and not be way up out there i mean he's he, he's jared slowed down a couple tenths but it saved him two seconds where brad was still trying to keep that momentum and not lose any time, and it ended up costing him two, you know, two seconds, not two tenths. So right. after that race, uh, was, you know, was pretty serious with our team. Like we had had a meeting with Brad, and uh, and he, of course, you know, a rider never wants to hear that he's not in tip-top shape or whatever. Never do you ever want to hear that, and you're going to argue it, you know, and say yes that you are. And it took a little bit of time, and then it started, and then everyone started telling him. And, uh, you know, he heard it from different angles of the racetrack, and I think Jared said it in a couple interviews. Uh, interviews that he had, you know, stating that there's no one in better shape than me. And last year, 
that was very, very true, and it showed. Um, so that's when Brad kind of started getting back on, on the training program heavy. Um, that was that race was a big eye opener for us because, you know, we had came so close at, you know, Arizona came so close at, even Springfield, Sac. I mean, all those were almost photo finishes, and for me, those races was okay. Hey, you're messing with Brian Smith here, which is potentially the best miler ever, ever. Yep, ever. I mm-hmm. mean, really. Um, but he's for sure the best miler that's on the track right now. And then you got Jared, which um, this last couple of years has really stepped up his game on the miles as well. And it's weird. Like I never really, I never really liked miles as a rider. Like it was just boring. I mean, the only one I liked was Mount, uh, Mount Vernon or Vernon down New York. Cause that was my best finish of my career, but <laughs> it was a cushion mile and it was just different, you know, like Springfield mile. I don't like that place at all. I mean, you got to, it's, everyone goes so fast. It's so smooth. Equalizer. So round. Yep. And you have to have a horse and you have to be very, very, very smart at where you're putting yourself. So I just took, I just kept telling Brad, Hey dude, you're doing fine. You're getting, you're getting schooled right now. It's, it's okay. Just put it in your memory banks. You know, don't, don't get down on yourself. And, uh, it was good. Cause he, he didn't like he's pretty headstrong, which is good. I would, so I would agree a hundred percent. Big a big turn for our team. So we carry that on. You know, a disappointing second place finish. I, I don't think I would ever say that when I was racing, but a disappointing second place finish. Uh, we go to Lima, a track where I I think he was probably to me he was probably favored to win. Comes up a little bit short to a uh, you know a Briar Bauman who comes out of the blue and, and wins the Lima <laughs> half mile. So. Uh, Second place, how how did he swallow that one? Um, that was fine. I mean, I think at Lima, I could take the blame on that. I just think that we were off all day just a little bit. And uh, I think Brad was still a little bit up, you know, upset about Oklahoma um, and really wanted to prove that, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show everybody what's up, but the track at Lima the past couple of years is uh, is a different Lima than it used to be like when I rode. I mean, it's just different. So you, it's more, it's not so much, uh, how do you say it? It's not so much wide open and just super, super traction. It's a little bit more skittery and uh, not as deep. If I don't think, I mean, from an outsider, I'm not racing it, but I mean, it sure doesn't look as deep as it used to be. And, uh, it just takes some different stuff. And with the new bike and new everything, we didn't really have much cushion experience, especially at a place like Lima. And, uh, we were just off a little bit all, all day. I mean, we weren't blistering fat. We were fast, but we weren't as fast as I feel like we should have been. And I'll, I would take the blame on that one just for not knowing the motorcycle well enough and not really, not wanting to step outside the box and try something drastic because we, we were decently fast and it's different now as a, as a crew chief for, you know, potentially a champion motorcycle guy, you know, champion motorcycle team for him to win a championship is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Do you, it's uh you don't want to, you don't want to overdo it and, and hurt him, you know? Yeah. Take him out of the so game. Just, yeah. 
Right. I don't want to tune him out of the deal to where he comes off and he's just like, this thing's junk, you know? Right. Um, you have to say where, where Brad's comfortable and you still think you made right. the right it's, changes. So you have to, it's a fine line you have to walk, I'm sure. Correct. So so do you, let's talk about Lima's track just a little bit. I, I know I think it's changed a little bit too. Do you think the loose, you know, the, it's not as deep as it used to be? Is that because they're not digging it as deep? Or do you think the, the loose stuff is just blown away after years and years and years of racing there? Do you think the loose stuff is just pushed off the racetrack? I mean, I mean, what what... Without riding it like you used to, it is different. I mean, I remember the first time I walked in there, they were going past me. I was standing at the entrance to turn one, and they went well past me and never even let off the throttle. And now that they do have to ride a little bit different. So what what do you think has changed in the track, in the dirt, and the, or the pea gravel, or however you want to describe it? Um, I think I think a lot of it is track prep. Um, you know, it seems to be a lot of tracks that we go to nowadays. Um, everyone is terrified of water. Um, so, like, the, they used to have those big piles of DG on the back. You know, like, my first year that I was there, 2007, I went and watched Jared race. And it rained big time. And Jared actually won that day um, in 2007. And, but like that stuff never goes in anybody's memory banks. And I'm not just Lima, but a lot of places is, uh, so when you don't have that moisture in the ground, so for instance, if they dump DG on, soak it, grab more DG, dump it on, soak it. And now you have this huge base built up and, uh, it, you can just ride it wide open, you know, everywhere. And, uh, but the tracks are a lot rougher, which, when it gets like that, you know, there's huge holes and huge <laughs> berms and everything else that, that goes on on a cushion track that gets sharp edges everywhere. Um, to where now the tracks are, are like Lima. I feel like the DG is just not laid down as deep. Um, the water's not there like it used to be possibly. I personally think it's just track prep and it's, and it ha it's happened before it started turning before Jared got a hold of it. Um, it's just the way that people so that, really promote or uh, have prepped tracks, but gotcha. th that's Lima in general. But sure, uh, as a whole, you know, I mean, we, we've we don't really get too many tracks that are like like 2016 Sturgis, where there's guys riding on the bottom, there's guys riding up top, there's guys coming into the top, coming off the bottom, going in the bottom, coming off the top. You know, just ride wherever you want right that's what makes uh that's what makes it super cool you know when you see that all the different lines yeah i i totally agree with that um we will we'll leave lima in the past now a second place finish i think that's great but you know i think like we said he was probably favored to win going into that one you go to new york another new track on the circuit third place finish there calistoga third buffalo chip a sixth so uh um did did Brad just not like the track, or or you know that's not you know all the rest of the races he's been up front unless he did have DNF. So uh, what what all went down at Buffalo Chip? Um, Buffalo Chip was partially the team's fault as well. Uh, we went there with a kind of a new engine package and did not we didn't bring our two into one exhaust. So when we got there and seen how tight it was, it was like oh my gosh, what have we done? You know, and uh, 
there was just so much going on before the West Coast Calistoga trip. You know, we went to Calistoga, then you home for a week and then go to Sturgis. So it just got missed. And uh, then we had a clutch failure in the heat race and Brad didn't finish. So that just put him behind all day. You know, we were fast um, in qualifying and whatnot, but it just put us behind, you know, when you got to come from behind like that, with on a, on a tight track, especially riders that we have, right? And the way that the track was, it's just—I mean, it's almost impossible to get in there. And uh, and he did, you know, near impossible to make the main event after you start like that. And Brad was able to throw the hammer down hard enough to to get in there. Pretty impressive. So, solid finish, though. You know, no doubt a sixth place finish. So we we go there for the very first time. It's it's a concert venue. It's a campground, and, and people had never been there before. And then we throw a racetrack in the middle of it. Uh, as a tuner, you guys were kind of pushed way out to the side. You had to pit across a, a street. Are there more challenges going to a venue like that where you can't have everything up close? You probably couldn't see much of the track as a tuner when the race was going on. So is that you know all part of the challenge of, of the Buffalo Chip? And, and is that is that all accurate? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it's definitely a little bit of an inconvenience. Mind you, there's, there was thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. It seemed like, I mean, which there was, I think there was what, 13,000 people there or something like that. And, uh, you get that many people and now you're entering, you're entering where you watch, you're entering into the actual like crowd. So you're trying to get through and, and stand somewhere, but you're working through, you know, fans and stuff. It, it was different. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't too happy when I first got there. May, I uh, I guess you can't judge a book by its cover, but I was pretty disappointed when I got there. I was like, man, this is this is not good. And uh, it ended up being a very very good race. And I ate crow and you know had to apologize to Chris Carr for what I said, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the- he accepted my apology. He's a good guy, and he just he knows that I get frustrated sometimes but but, but that's all right you know um, it ended up being a very good venue yeah it was it was a cool event for sure and i'm, I'm glad we're going back in, in 2018 so uh we left there it was a real quick turnaround we go to the black hills and, and a solid third place finish and that had a track like you were talking about a little while ago a lot of different lines you could go in high you could go off low and and uh or go in high and come off low or go low and you know switch it up a little bit like you just talked about so uh, a good real racy half mile brad finished third there uh we go to peoria uh new track configuration brad finished fifth there i thought that was a good solid performance third at the springfield mile two williams grove a second uh you want to talk about any of those or are you good on those and then we'll get into what happened what happened next yeah uh what happened next is pretty interesting uh i mean those were all run-of-the-mill click 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 races uh nothing outstanding nothing i mean i guess second and thirds is great um peoria we just had a little bit of bad luck and struggled with gearing no one's ever jumped the twin i've never jumped the twin we're ripping brake pedals off and i mean we just we had a heck of a day at peoria but it was great i mean he 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 rode his tail off and uh and that was when I could really start to see that Brad was starting to get really, really good in shape. You know I mean? He came off before the start of the season, you know, just sweating and just, I mean, just tired, you know, just wet, soaking wet, huffing and puffing after he came off at Peoria after slinging a twin around for 25 laps. And he was talking pretty, pretty good and 
and I was like, man, okay, you guys really, this, this whole training thing from OKC is it's really paying off now. And uh, so a couple more races, and that's what happened next is uh, we all got big into you know road biking, mountain biking, and uh, Brad was at home training and uh, had a training incident on a on a mountain bike in the woods. And uh, he's from Washington, as if people don't know, but you know it's pretty hilly there, and there's awesome trails and fire roads and whatever you can go ride on. And he was at a pretty pretty high level downhill, you know, mountain bike course deal, not up and down hills, but and uh, ended up taking a digger and got knocked out, broke his jaw. Um, <laughs> He's allergic to bees, and the poor guy passes out right next to a a, a beehive. Beehive. Oh no! When the when the uh, paramedics came, because he was knocked out pretty good, and like I don't know for exactly how long, because I wasn't there, but it was long enough for the guy that he was with to get scared and call nine one one, get the ambulance to come out. So um, when the ambulance <laughs> guys came in there and they started ruffling you know putting the stuff down and, and you know moving the stuff around it was like a, a ground bees like in the ground not like oh. not like a beehive in a tree and as soon as they started stomping around and moving stuff around bees come out and brad's you know still cuckoo and he's getting stung by bees and and the, then they i guess the paramedics left and then brad just kind of got up and not left, but like kind of <laughs> retreated. Away, like, whoa, 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 what's yeah. going on? And Brad, Brad's getting up, and he just takes off running. <laughs> and uh, but his neck and stuff was swollen. Well, then thank thank God the guy that was with him knew that he was allergic to bees, so they gave him an epipen the whole nine yards. <laughs> wow! So not only did he, you know, crash, knock himself out, break his jaw, but now he's getting stung by bees, and he's allergic. You know? Wow! Like, not not his day. The guy while he's down. Yeah, not his day for no, sure. Not his day at all. So that uh, so that all transpired after Williams Grove before we go to Texas. And then uh, Texas was interesting for me as well as I'm sure it was for Larry Pegram because I showed up down there and I'd heard the rumor about Brad. And then it finally came out on social media. And I'd, I was down there on Friday night. And we have our typical day before the, the show meeting. And, and uh, I heard Larry Pegram was riding the motorcycle. And I didn't think, you know, my I didn't think nothing of it. You know, I was like, okay, well, then I get the call that night too to go do the the NBCSN broadcast because Larry Pegram was racing your bike so he couldn't do the broadcast so it was it was I'm thankful to Brad I was going to send him a thank you card but I thought that'd be kind of rude if I sent him a thank you card for breaking his jaw so I could do NBCSN I thought that'd be pretty selfish but it worked out good for Dubler but <laughs> anyway so let's talk right. about how how did you guys come up with Larry Pegram riding the bike I know he rode the the factory Indian bike there at the X Games to, you know the X Games likes to have a diverse crowd of riders or a mix of riders and Larry used to be a former flat tracker and then he was a road racer and then he stepped out for a while and did some other things so you know I, I understand why he got the invite to X Games so he had the leathers and so how how did all that come together with him riding and filling in for Brad for Texas is was is that something you were involved in or is that you know above you know is that higher up or from Indian or how, how did all that go down yeah, that came from uh, from uh, Gary Gray, which is president of of Indian. Uh, he's basically our big boss. He's the one that pretty much came up with the whole idea to go racing flat track. 
and um, we, I was actually already gone. I was, we were driving. It was Thursday, and I had, I was supposed to have a meeting with Brad on Wednesday evening. We were going to just talk about some things, you know, for Texas. And he's like, "Well, I'm getting ready to go on a bicycle ride, man. I'll call you later tonight." Okay. Well, he never did. And uh, so the next morning, I just I just figured, well, he'll call me either he got busy or whatever. And uh, didn't even didn't even cross my mind that you know, man, did he did he not call me back because he crashed or you know there was nothing that crossed my mind at all. And I <laughs> I was in uh, Kentucky or something. I don't know exactly where I was. We were driving, and I get a phone call from Brad like midday. And instantly I knew he's like, cause I said, I said, what's up pal. And he, you know, Hey buddy. <laughs> his and, jaws uh, wired shut. Yeah. Jaws wired shut. But at the time I didn't realize that his <laughs> jaw was wired shut. It sounded like he was getting like, it sounded like he was waking up from like anesthesia, you know? Oh, and I, and oh. I knew something was wrong and I'm like, man, did he go racing and crash? What happened? And, uh, He's like, oh, you know, not too good. I'm just getting out of surgery. And I'm like, surgery for what? You know, and I'm kind of panicked at this point. Right. But I didn't I didn't know if he was playing with me or not. He's like, well, I crashed my bicycle, blah, blah, goes into the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then I was like, well, have you told? I said, what did Ricky say? He's like, well, I I called, but he didn't answer. So I, you're the first one that knows. Oh, I'm my like, gosh. Oh God. Yeah. I said, well, you have to call. Uh, you got to get a hold of Ricky. So then we, you know, everyone's blowing his phone up, and then you know he gets gets a hold of Brad and whatnot. But uh, I don't really know how that all came about, but I do know that it was Gary Gray's decision, and it was probably just because he had already ridden the Indian once. He has leathers. Who are we going to get two days before the race? Right. Know? It's not already committed to another team or something, right? Correct. Yeah. So it worked out pretty good. Larry, Larry, you know, comes off the bench and off the couch or whatever, puts his steel shoe on and finishes tent. So uh, is there anything that, that you learned as a mechanic working for a different guy? Did, did Pegram help out? Was there, was it beneficial for you guys to have Larry, you know, ride the motorcycle? Um, yes and no. Um, Larry's very in tune to what's going on. You know, he's a pretty touchy feely guy, but his style of riding is, so different than Brad's and he's just a little bit more old school you know I mean when he raced you know they didn't ride with you know a bunch of swing arm angle and stiff springs so you know I actually had to go through the pit I had to go down to Johnny's and uh, borrow a spring because I didn't have that light of a spring for Larry so the the riding styles were so different to really say that it, it was an advantage um no, not on that side of it, but there was some stuff with our uh, wheel options, just different you know, uh, widths and whatnot, that Larry picked up that Brad had not picked up as and, and far as in the middle of the corner, it feels like it does this or, you know, and I, and that's when it, it's like, man, you know, okay, that's why Brad was saying that, but he, Brad couldn't explain it to me in a way, or it was just something that he didn't even understand you know but larry was able to pick those up and uh and kind of you know give it back to us on 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 that side i would say yes it was an advantage just to get some positive feedback from somebody different that is pretty touchy-feely on a motorcycle um 
it was it was a good day. I mean, he he was very thankful and um, helpful, appreciative. I mean, everything that that you could really ask for somebody was Larry Pegram. You know, I mean, there was no no issues at all. Yeah, I, I I was very impressed. You know, coming off the sideline, coming off and not racing with us. You know, uh, you know us as being the our our series or whatever. But a, a solid tenth place finish. I was I was impressed with what I saw. So let's move on to the the season finale there at Paris, out there in California. Uh, you throw somebody else into the mix. Jared Vandekoy got the run, uh, one run for you guys. How did all that come about? Or is it similar to what happened with Pegram? Is it something that you had no control over? Um, that one we we did um, have a little bit of control over because we obviously knew that uh, Brad had been hurt. So we kind of got some names thrown at us, um, and uh, that was who we ended up picking. And uh, then, you know, obviously Gary made the phone call, and but we, we were a little bit more in tune with that. Um, I wasn't sure if Larry was going to ride. I don't think – I think he had the option to, but I don't know if I don't know if he could have. So there was something that happened there, but yes, yeah, so we put Jared on, and uh, again, you know, it's totally different rider than Brad, and uh, kind of makes you respect and understand more of what the motorcycle's going through when you when you put Brad Baker on it, because I mean, just from springs to stuff being stiffer, tire wears different. I mean, Brad's such a one-off rider style that i mean if if someone ever said hey i want to ride if, if i was on brad's bike i bet i could win you know i'd say okay here you go good luck right <laughs> you know, yeah good don't, luck don't, don't. yeah because it's it's totally different um he he puts he rides the motorcycle heavily on the front wheel and he puts the motorcycle in such a bind that it's uh, I've never seen that before. He, really, he, he kind of sits. I mean, uh, he kind of sits side saddle too a little bit. I've noticed that you know, especially on some straightaway shots, he he's more to the right side of the motorcycle, which push you know puts more emphasis on the right foot peg, and like you said, applies more pressure to the front end. So it is a totally different riding mm-hmm. style. I, I would I'd one hundred percent agree with you. But um, so throwing that all into the mix, how I know Vanderquart, I talked to him after the race, and he said there was a lot of clutch problems. So what all happened went you know what all happened at paris um we just had a clutch issue again i mean we went out the first practice and i i uh just kind of threw in there what i would kind of start with with brad for that place and i had been there uh, tons of times you know with sprint cars obviously um i that was actually my first half mile that i ever raced i was on a yz250 full height um, i mean i think it was 2002 um never raced class C's before ever. That was the place that I was my, you know, got my feet wet. So I had been there. I had a little bit of information from there and how the track normally goes. Um, and it was just kind of a little bit of a, not a rough start. Um, but it wasn't really a good setup for Jared. So we made, we came off. I asked him what, what he felt and uh, I said well this is what I see you know and, and he's like yeah no that's that's exactly I said all right well I, know, I I think I know what to do and uh we got better and better and better <clears throat> and then went and you know same thing as buffalo chip um just smoked a clutch and I don't know it's because after buffalo chip you know I came home and put a new clutch in and I ripped probably 30 or 40 starts in a row until my leg was hot, you know, from the exhaust. 
<laughs> and never, never once slipped, never spun it. So I don't know really what to uh, tell anybody as an answer at that, it, as other than the clutch didn't want to didn't want to race that day. <laughs> That's something, yeah. So, just just uh, one of those things. We're, we're right? working on that. Yeah, we're working on that issue over the winter, and uh, we'll have all those problems fixed. But you know, to have a couple clutches go out and, and a brand new motorcycle, then it's it's really not that bad, you know. Yeah. Um, but we know the problems that we have, and we just got to move forward on fixing them and make sure that, that stuff doesn't happen again. Still, so I'd I'd like to say congratulations on a, on a hell of a, a hell of a year. You know, still third place in the points after mm-hmm. what happened at Daytona, missing the last two races. I mean, Brad was on fire. I think he had a great season, and you know, congratulations for your first year as being a tuner, and and you know top three i mean you didn't get your victory lap just yet but you, you got to know it's coming soon oh yeah no i'm uh i'm not doubting that at all and uh i think people are going to see uh, a brand new brad baker next year too because he's hot and heavy on he wants the championship back big time yeah. and uh when you're you know when you're hungry like that and you got two you know two of your teammates that are beating you it really makes you hungry, you know, and I know that for a fact. So 2018 should be uh, very good. And, you know, there's also the luck side of that. You got to, you know, you got to live right because what comes around goes around. And I, I personally feel like, so you don't really have bad luck. I feel like you make your luck. So if you're living right, and you're doing everything honestly, you're probably going to be fine. So there's a, there's a lot of that that goes into uh, having a successful team and you just got to make smart decisions. And uh, I got to be doing my part fully here so brad can do his part fully because if the motorcycle breaks he can't you know he can't fred flintstone it very fast so yeah we saw we, we saw sammy halbert try that at buffalo chip yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so times just aren't as, aren't as good just, as when the motor's running just not quite the same so i got a couple more questions for you i know we've taken up a lot of your time and and i could sit here and talk to you for about two more hours because i've got a lot more questions but uh what uh, what part of the motorcycle would you consider your expertise? Um, I really like uh, I like <laughs> weird as it sounds, but I really honestly like when we go out and we're seventh or eighth, and Brad's not that comfortable, and uh, and then we go out the next round after me making some changes, um, and we're first or second. You know, that's the cool stuff for me. Um, so is that I'm pretty in tune with, uh, is that making the right in tune with chassis stuff? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, is that making the rider um, more comfortable or is that making the, the bike more comfortable for the rider? You know, I mean, or is no, it a little, you're, little you're, bit of both. Yeah. You got to make it more, you got to make the bike comfortable for the rider. So obviously the handlebars didn't move from the week before the seats, not in a different spot, for, you know, for most riders. Um, it's the same motorcycle. So once we found that, uh, initial setup we kind of went there with a, with a lot of places but where i feel like myself um i've ridden and i can understand how people feel and i've felt a lot of things on a motorcycle so when I, when i watch somebody and i see the bike doing something you know i can potentially for the most part tell you like kind of have an idea of where i'm going next you know watching the track just having that experience as a as a you know head crew chief for Indian motorcycle team is huge for me because I've been there, I've done it, and I'm thankfully smart enough to 
be on the other side and see and watch, you know, cause I didn't have that as, as toward the end of my career is I was, I was doing everything by feel, but sometimes what you feel is not what you would see from the inside. Um, you start chasing a direction and you don't have that person going, no, that's not, that's not what it's doing. You right. know, you're doing this. And then what you're feeling is that, and there's, there's that fine line between having, uh, it's very easy to get steered the wrong way if, if you're just having rider feedback, rider feedback. And so that I would say like chassis stuff and having a good relationship with my rider is, is the biggest key, uh, to success. Um, is, is he going to never make a mistake? No. Am I never going to make a mistake? I mean, the motorcycle is not perfect. I can guarantee you that. Um, but it's pretty close. I was, you know? say, I, I was getting ready to say it's pretty damn it's, close with only, you know, a clutch failure here and there. And other than that, you know, you guys came out of the box and just kicked everybody's ass. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that would be Indian as a whole, you know, I mean, that, that's our two riders as the factory side and Jared's side as well. Um, that, you know, as a more factory private, not privateer, but factory supported side. So Jared did, the same thing you know so the indian did their homework a ton of research and development and they they put they put the money in the right places you know we might not have the big extravagant pits and all the stuff but uh they spent money in the in the correct place and it showed i would, I would have year. i'd have to agree with you 100 percent. so uh since you've been a tuner now you, you you wrenched on the sprint cars for a little while you've wrenched one full season on the factory indian bikes so Brandon, the tuner, what kind of advice would you give an, a young up and coming Brandon Bergen, the racer? Never give up, chase your dreams and just never, never burn bridges. Cause when you burn the bridge, you never know when you might get to a dead end and have to go back across that bridge. That that's, I honestly feel like that's one thing that has helped me through my whole career and that everyone should live by is just make the right choice, you know, and, and don't, don't burn any bridges. Um, but right now is a, is a huge time for young kids to be racing flat track. And I mean, I, I still go out to Marion County here in, in uh, Indiana, mid America speedway and ride just, I mean, not, I ride for myself, but I like going out there because there's, there is some fast kids. I mean, Stallings is out there. Um, some younger kids that, that haven't raced professionally. And when they chase someone like me, it's just going to make them faster. And one, you know, one day they'll be older and whatever and helping the young kids go out and, and, and continue chasing their dream. That is good information. I love it. So we're going to wrap up our interview here with Brandon Bergen, the Fresno flyer, AKA too tall. Did you like being called too tall? I, I never have asked you that before. Yeah. I, I don't care. I mean, Ted booty was tall and he killed it for a couple of years. Absolutely. I, I like it too. I mean, I'm, I'm actually too tall to race flat track too, but I still tried it. Dude, we appreciate it. You're you're cool. I, I, w- I really would love to ask you, you know, a hundred more questions about stuff and, and get into the mechanical side of things and, and you know maybe maybe this might turn into a, a thing we do once a week and, and we might have you on again. But uh, we certainly appreciate your time. We know you're busy and, and uh, dude, it was great, great stuff. All right, we'll talk to you guys later.